Thank you, Marilyn. That was a great story. That sure was. That was great reading. Amen. Okay, can y'all hear me? Can everybody hear me? You're on. Oh, no. Okay, can everybody hear me now? Yes. Is that better? Okay. All right. So, we'll go ahead and open up in prayer. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we come to you today. We give you praise. Yes. We give you glory. We give you thanks. We just come to your feet. We just ask that you would speak your word to our hearts. We pray that you would be here with us, that you would make your presence known, that me, that I could be changed, that every one of us could be changed by your glory, by your grace. Father, we look to you. We ask that uh, Jesus would be lifted high. We ask that all glory would go to Christ the Lord and he will give it to you. We thank you for this day together in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> okay, so it is close to Valentine's Day. So we'll preach about love. About that a little bit, right? So specifically about about being in love, right? So everybody wants to be loved, right? So this is the time of, time, of, time of the year when single people are looking for a date, when dating people are wondering if the other person really loves them, and when married people are wondering, does he or she still love me, right? So I'm, I'm kind of a nerd, so I did some looking up of some social media. So uh, Sam, if you could put that up there. So, so basically what happened is Facebook did this, uh, did this review and they said, okay, these, these two people on Facebook ended up becoming a relationship, so let's track like, their history and their progress. And so they saw the number of messages that they've like, sent back and forth increased, 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 you know, until they uh, showed up and came into a relationship and then it started decreasing, decreasing because they're shifting over to personal interaction, right, instead of <laughs> Facebook interaction. Okay, so I thought that's just really interesting. And then the next slide gives a little bit of the little bit of the spiel. It's 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 the same graph, but they're a little you know um, explanation for it. There you go. So, feel free to read that if you like. But anyway, the, the short story is what I what I just said. At day zero, the posts begin to decrease because people are spending time together instead of you know, courtship online. They're courting offline, you know, face to face more so. And then there's another. Another graph that's next, and this one's in. This one's maybe a little bit more interesting. So this is the positive emotion posts uh, posted by the person from before to after the relationship starts. And so from before the relationship starts, you know, they put out a certain number of positive posts. But look at when the relationship starts. You notice those two little teeny dots way up there? That's day one and day two. They're pretty happy on day one and day two, right? <laughs> and then, but still, you know, the the number of positive posts, you know goes up when they're in relationship, right? Because that because they feel, you know, loved. They feel valued. They feel important. Like they're not alone. Right? And so so it's almost like being in a relationship, being in love, is not just 
uh, good for you, um, but it's it's but it's a good experience too. You know, like sometimes with foods, you're like, wow, that must be really healthy, which is kind of like catchphrase for I don't know, it looks too healthy for me to want to eat it. But anyway, so but 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 being in a relationship, being in love is good for you, and it's a good experience also. So I, I looked up like what people would describe being in love is like. And it's interesting because people say, okay, it's an emotion, right? It's a feeling. And the PhDs, they just can't seem to find the right words to, to know what it means. So it's interesting. Everybody knows what it's like, I suppose. Uh, most people know what it's like, um, but nobody really can define it. One, one definition that I, that I found was from Cheryl Paul at the Huffington Post. She said, two open hearts giving and receiving to each other. And that was about the closest that anybody could really put into some succinct words. Um, anyway, so so it's difficult to describe, but we can feel it, and we're drawn to it, and it increases our positive outlook on life, right? Even the word choice in love, isn't that interesting? In love. And so, you know, it's like an emotional state. Do we say any, that for, you know, the word in for anything else? Do we say I'm in anger, or I'm, you know, in despondency, you know, or, or well, we don't. So it's interesting we use that with love. It also kind of sounds like an environment, too, you know, like a location, um, like, I'm in Pittsburgh. Okay, kind of sounds like that too. So what I think is just interesting about this is it's like it's it's a I, my little view is it's appropriate because it's it covers both of those things. It covers an emotional environment and it also covers an emotional destination. All right. So I'm in love can be kind of be equated to I'm in the environment of being loved, and it's my destination. You know, I want to stay here. Right. It's where we want to be, where we feel good about ourselves, where we enjoy. We don't want to leave. And you can't get there on your own. You know, you need somebody else. And so, so it's almost like this. So it happens when the other person accepts you, faults and all, right? When you can just be who you are. You don't have to put on a facade or try to measure up or anything like that. They accept you just as you are. And it's when they, so when they accept you, when they choose you, so out of everybody else available, they could have chosen all these other people, whatever, but they choose you. Doesn't that make you feel special and important and and you know, just like like your love. You're not just one of the crowd, but you're special and important to somebody. And also it's when that person's committed or devoted to you, right? It makes you feel safe. You don't have to worry that they're gonna, you know, leave you because they're devoted to you, right? You, you're committed. So, and it's what, it, it's, it's when someone says and does kind and loving things for you. It boosts your self-esteem. It makes you feel valuable, right? So it's kind of like, you know, diamonds, that's, that's like a, a sign of how valuable you are to me, right? So we're going to take a look at the, in the Bible for um, a passage that's about being in love. So we could go to Song of Solomon. We could go there. In which, in the Song of Solomon, okay, it's about a, about a poor shepherd boy, probably. Could be Solomon, but I think it's a shepherd boy. And, and a young Shulamite woman and their, you know, their interactions. And they've got some love compliments, which I thought were kind of funny, right? So the shepherd boy says, I've compared you, my love, to my filly among Pharaoh's chariots. He's like, you know what? You're, you're as pretty as that pretty horse over there. <laughs> okay. Not, don't follow that lead, guys. Okay. Your hair is like a flock of goats. Wow. <laughs> One in heart with that. Okay, so uh, like, I, you have a lot of hair. Your teeth are like a flock of washed sheep and every one which bears twins. He's saying, you've got most of your teeth or all your teeth and it looks like you brush them. Don't, don't, don't try that at home, right? 
because uh, you may get slapped. But, but he sticks the landing. He says, you are all beautiful, my love, and there is no spot in you. So, okay, he, he lands well. The young woman, she seems to have more, uh, she's, she's got more refinement in this area of complimenting. <laughs> she says, your hair is wavy and black as a raven. Okay, that's great. Your eyes are like doves washed with milk and fitly set. Your arms are rods of gold, you know, your body is carved, stuff like that, right? This is my beloved, this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. I'll stop there. We could go on in the Song of Solomon, but I won't. <laughs> we're, in, we're in church, you got to save that for Valentine's Day. <laughs> so anyway, instead we're going to go to the book of Ephesians. And uh, so I'm thinking it just kind of goes through the book of Ephesians little by little. So we're going to start out with this one. So this is about being in love, Ephesians 1. So I'm going to give you the, <clears throat> I'm going to give you the, we're going to look at the, at the forest first, and then we're going to zoom in and look at the trees. And so, so, so the forest is that the same elements that we just talked about for being in love with the person are exactly the same things that we find here in this passage of being in relationship with Jesus. Because when you're in Jesus, when you're in Christ, then you're in love. You're in a place where you are loved, where it's like an environment, an atmosphere of love. It's like a love bubble. Wherever you go, you are loved. It kind of reminded me a little bit of, um, <clears throat> so I saw this other verse, I'm not going to be able to find it off the top of my head, but it's in John uh, 17. And so Jesus says, um, as um, I am not of this world, uh, or they are not of this world, he's talking about his disciples, just as I am not of this world, um, but I send them into the world just as you have sent me, Father. And so basically what's going on, it kind of reminded me of this, um, uh, this movie from the 80s that was like, you had two different you know, types of species of people, they all look the same until you put on the special glasses and then you could see, well, you remember that movie? It was pretty cheesy, I know. <laughs> and then and then all of a sudden you could see which ones were the aliens that were just looked like humans on the outside, which ones, so it's kind of like that. So it's like there's two different groups of people walking around. So Jesus takes us out of this world. We were in this world. He takes us out of this world and he fixes us and changes us. And then what does he do? Sends us right back. Sends us right back. And so we're we're there, you know, on duty. We're there, we're here on duty. We're here to reach people. We look like everybody else, but we're not of this world. We're reach, we're trying to reach people who God's also calling out. So, but the same element. So so Jesus, you know, God accepts you. And we're gonna do this in ABC, order will be a little bit off, but he accepts you, false and all. False and all. He, he accepts you, he chooses you, handpicked. Special and important to him. He chose you. And he's devoted to you. He's committed. You don't ever have to fear him walking away from you. He says and does loving things, which is basically that he blesses you, right? So that's, so that's the, the forest. We're going to zoom in a little bit now to look at the trees. So Ephesians 1, verses 1 through 3. <clears throat> Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus, the faithful which is those who believe in Christ Jesus. So some denominations, I'm going to pause there, some denominations have this, you know, hierarchical, you know, separation between saints and regular believers. And if you do really good, you might get out of, you might get 20,000 years worth of purgatory subtracted from your sentence. And then, but you'll probably never be a saint kind of thing. And so this verse, you know, just slashes that and contradicts it completely. The saints are those who believe, those who are faithful to Jesus Christ. And so if you're, a faith. So, so if you believe in Jesus and you're following him, then you are a saint. No less important to God than the Apostle Peter or anybody else. Okay, so then verse 2. 
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So God, this is number one, God has blessed you in Christ. That's, that is so important along the way here, in Christ. God has blessed you in Christ. So you are blessed by God the Father himself, right? So sometimes we get this idea, oh, Jesus is the nice one, and he kind of shields us from the mean one. That's the Father in heaven, right? No, this was the Father's idea, right? He blessed each one of us, right? So what does it mean to be blessed? What does that mean? It's, it's the word eulogy, or eulogeo, which sounds like eulogy, right? That's what happens at people's funerals. Basically, it's, it's a speaking well. So this is God speaking well for you, right? Oh, so what? So God has some nice things to say about me. What, you know, what's, what's the big deal with that? Oh, no, no, that's a really big deal because God's word is his action. And so in Genesis 1, he said, let there be light. Bam, light happened. He said, let the waters be gathered and let the dry land appear. Bam, it happened. Then he said, let there be stars in, in, in the heavens and let there be a sun and moon. And bam, it was so. His word is his action. And so when God blesses you, it is done. It is an action, a tangible thing that is that actually happens. It's not just fluffy words. Just like the just like the scripture Eddie read, or I'm sorry, Marilyn read earlier. Sorry, I'm editing my notes. So Marilyn read earlier. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? God is for you. He's on your side. He's got your back. On your side for what? What is what does that really mean? Is that on your side to get the family inheritance money or to win an argument with friends and family, or what is that, right? It's that God is on your side to for you to be saved and to spiritually prosper. That's what it is. For you to be saved and to spiritually prosper. So when it comes to our earthly battles, God doesn't take this side or that side. He just doesn't. He's like, so it's like this. When Joshua is going to fight the battle of Jericho, He's getting things ready, and an angel of the Lord shows up. We believe it's Christ incarnate, but he shows up, and he's got his sword drawn. And so Joshua says, are you for me? Are you for us, or are you against us? And he says, neither. I'm here to take charge. He says, I'm the commander of the, Lord of the, ar of the, of the Lord's armies. So Joshua bowed down and worshipped him and said, what does my Lord say to his servant? God is, God is on our side versus somebody else's side with, with an earthly battle. You know why? Because he loves that other person just as much as he loves you or me. The same amount of love for both of us, right? He's not a puppet that we can manipulate onto our side. He's the all-knowing Lord of glory who's trying to reach that other person also. So our battle is the Lord's battle. And so we fight with his weapons. What are his weapons? They're spiritual weapons. They're not the same things as that this world uses. We're not of this world, right? We use spiritual weapons. Instead, we use the weapon of loving our enemies, of doing good to those who hate us, of praying for those who despitefully use and persecute us. And when someone takes something from us, we don't even ask it back again. That's just what Jesus said to do. That's how the Lord says to do battle, right? And so if we do, so if we do battle the Lord's way, then we'll see some. Then we'll see pro a lot more progress made. I don't know. I just got to thinking that there's, um, you know, as long as we think somebody else is an enemy, then we're hindering God from really doing work in that person's life because He's called us. You know, all through the Beatitudes, we're supposed to be a blessing to everybody. And so, as long as we've got, you know, an enemy mentality in our mind, 
then we're not able to be used to be a blessing to that person. So God's trying to win that person too, and we and so we're hindering it when, when we're doing that. So Jesus is, isn't on our side to the exclusion of other people. He's for the other party just as much as he's for us. Jesus died for all, right? The other person's not our enemy. Satan is our real enemy. And the other person could be tormented. They could be, you know, future brothers and sisters in Christ. And so hating them not, is not going to get them to repentance. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance, right? And a lot of times that goodness that happens through us loving other people and, and um, anyway, having to, you know, forgive. So John Piscopo um, is an older, was an older friend. He passed away a couple years ago. John was in World War II. He was a Navy veteran. And when he, he, he was a prince of a man, um, but he wasn't always that way. So when he was younger, when he was in the Navy, you know, during World War II, there was a, uh, he was not a believer, but there was a Christian young man on the ship, and he would taunt and torment this Christian man. And, and this Christian guy was just trying to, you know, pray and read and stay close to the Lord, um, you know, through the war. And John would taunt him and and wasn't super kind to him about it. And I guess other, other people were not either. And so, so John asked him one day, why do you, why do, you do this? Why do, everybody's making fun of you. Why do you, you know, read in your Bible and pray and do all that kind of stuff? And the man said, I pray that you'll know someday. That's all he said. So, so some decades later, John became a Christian. And then he saw that man at a World War II function, a Betts function. And he said, and with tears in his eyes, he said, I know what you're talking about now. I'm a Christian too. And the man just started tearing up also. And then they were instant friends from then onward. That might never have happened for John if that man didn't love his enemy. If he got up and tried to fight, that man may never have been one, or John may never have been one to Christ. But because he fought with spiritual weapons, John was one to Christ eventually. So the verse says, God is on your side to be saved and to, and to spiritually prosper because there's something so much bigger than earthly disputes, right? There's a kingdom we're fighting for. There's an enemy we're fighting against. And every time, you know how we take spiritual ground? Every time we love our enemy, that's how we take spiritual ground. Every time we bless those who curse us, every time we proclaim to Jesus as Lord, every time we repent to God or others for wrongdoing, every time we turn away from personal sin, that's how we take spiritual ground. And so, uh, so this is this is neat too from that, ver that verse. If if you belong to Jesus Christ and you have received the Holy Spirit, then you have every spiritual blessing available. I just think that's really neat. It's not God's not holding out on you, right? There's nothing left to give. He's given you the whole package of spiritual blessings in heaven, right? So it's because it's spoken in heaven because that's where things are eternal. But it's spoken and and, and it, cha it makes changes into you and uh, to me here on earth, and even gives us you know the ability to help others too. So, but that's all in Christ, right? Because without Christ's blood, hey, I'm just a filthy sinner. There's nothing good in me that God would bless. But being in Christ, uh, now, now he can bless you. Now he wants to bless me. He wants to bless you, right? And he has. So God has spoken and done good things to benefit us. That's his love, right? That God has blessed you. And that's a big deal. That's number one. Number two, God has chosen you. So in, in Ephesians 1, 4, back there again, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we may be holy and without blemish before him in love. <clears throat> so God was choosing the team, choosing the family that 
was that's to be with him forever and he chose you he could have passed you by completely he could have passed me by completely in his in, in god's infinite knowledge he knows he knew before he even framed the worlds before he even spoke the first word of let there words of let there be light he knew every word that would come out of your mouth every action and every thought that you would ever have and he still chose you on purpose because he because no matter what you've done he knows how to rescue people he wants to rescue everybody <clears throat> you were not an afterthought you were a planned event you were a non-purpose to bring into the kingdom so do you remember elementary school and middle school when people would like like for kickball or for uh, dodgeball <clears throat> when when you're like choosing teams and so when i was in middle school i remember my my pe teacher would take like the two best players and it was kind of unfair to have those two kids on the same team so we'd separate them <clears throat> and turn them into, into captains and then they'd pick everybody else right and you know how they like generally they go ahead and they pick you know the, the next best you know player over here and this one picks the next best player and it kind of goes like that that's kind of the standard thing <clears throat> when i was in middle school there was somebody who didn't do that so this person was just a good athlete and they just they almost always won and so what they had a, they seemed to have a different strategy what they'd do is they'd pick the kid that never got picked first and then after that, the other, the other team would pick the next best player, and this one would pick the next kid who never got picked first. You know, and he'd work his way up from the bottom like that, of people who didn't get picked first. And I know why he did it. Because he, he wanted that person to feel important, to feel valued. You know, to feel like they, they have a good contribution to make, and they're worth a first-round draft pick. Right? That's what he wanted. And then he also... He, he usually won. His team usually won. And so he also wanted them to feel the joy of what it's like to win. Right? If you're, if you're picked last, you don't always get on the winning team. So by getting them first, he can make sure they had the joy of being win, of winning also. So they'd have the joy of being picked first and the joy of winning. And that's why he seemed to do that. That's, that's just... That's part of God's grace. God chose you not for anything that you have done, not for anything you could ever do, or me either. Because in and of ourselves, we just don't have anything to offer. We're a liability. But because of God's grace, he chose you and he chose me. Because God's going to win. His team's guaranteed to win. And he's handpicked you to be on it. He wants you to have the joy of being picked. He wants you to have the joy of winning. All because of what Jesus Christ has, has done. And also, so in this verse, it's that we may be holy, right? So that's as part of as part of being chosen, he sets us apart. So it's interesting what the word holy means. It's separated from worldly uses. This this word, separated from worldly uses, consecrated to God's purposes. I really like that if you like, you know, think those words. The world just uses you. So it's separated from worldly uses, but consecrated to God's purposes purposes because God has a pre-planned pre-thought out plan from before creation ever started he knows exactly what he wants to do and he's got a purpose for you right and so separated from worldly uses and consecrated to God's purposes and then those good works will be credited to you in your spiritual account when you get into heaven you'll be rewarded for doing them so um, God has separated you from the world and positioned you to empower to be empowered to do those works. You're not just a common person. You are not of this world. You are consecrated for God's purpose and then sent, sent and then turned back around and sent out 
to go and change people, to reach people, right? And also so, so we can be uh, without blemish, holy and without blemish is what the, what the verse says. And so <clears throat> this one, you know, I, I, I wish that it was like, you know, a, a, a past tense thing. It, does, it just doesn't seem to be. Being without blemish is connected to the future event of Christ's coming, right? So in 2 Peter 3.14, he says, Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. And so that word, be diligent, it's like, you know, shifting from, from reverse gear or neutral to, 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 to the drive gear, right? It's, it's, so spiritually, you can be hot, you can be cold, or you can be lukewarm. So this is the shift, whether you're hot or whether you're cold or whether you're lukewarm, this is the shift to hot. And, and when you get shifted into gear, when you, when you, get, you know, when you get hot for the Lord, then he, then, he go ahead and, and then he can really do things in our lives, right? Then, then we can really you know, make some progress here. And then when we do that, then, then just like the portion of that Song of Solomon, it's, he'll say, there's no spot in you, my beloved. So Jesus is so good to us, right? He chooses us for his kingdom or for his team and his kingdom. He empowers us to do his works. And then he invites you and me to be in his parade when we get to heaven. That's just pretty amazing. And I hope that makes you feel special and important because you are. It makes me just want to thank him for, for choosing me because he didn't have to choose me. I'm just a liability. But he invests in me anyway. That's God's amazing grace. So he blessed you, number one. He chose you, number two. Number three, he did, he's devoted to you. And this is about predestined to adoption in Ephesians 1.5. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. So God was pleased to predestine you to be adopted into his family. He loves that decision. If he could go back and change that decision, there's no way he would. He loves that decision. It's like he, he made a Christmas list and he put a picture of you at the top of the Christmas list. And then, and then when you came to the Christ, then he was like so excited right? Like he got exactly what he wanted. That's what he wanted. He wanted you to be with him forever, right? So Luke 15, 10 says, likewise I say to you, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Over one sinner. There's a party for you in heaven when you came to the Lord. Not everything's complete. There's still more. There's still more to go. Our adoption hasn't happened. It's it, 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 it's a future event, but it's guaranteed to happen. That's the the way the the voice and the mood of the word is. So God's not going to change His mind. That's the point. Why adoption as sons? Have you thought about that? Why Why does it say adoption as sons? Why not as sons and daughters? Just because of the context. Two thousand years ago in the culture when this was written, sons couldn't inherit the inheritance. I'm sorry, daughters couldn't. Daughters couldn't inherit an inheritance, right? And so He's saying, look, you're. This is this is one of those things where it doesn't matter if you're if you're a man or woman, you are going to have an inheritance. You you will have an inheritance, right? And so so he was saying that you've got an inheritance coming in, you know, in heaven. And then yeah, and then also, um, yeah, and so Paul's and, and, and then also adoption is forever. Um, that so so back then a natural born son could be disowned, but an adopted son could not be disowned. And so the adoption is a, is a forever kind of thing, is, you know, based on the context from back then and, and, and how it's used. So anyway, when the adoption is complete, it'll never end, right? So, and, and, it's, and it's guaranteed to happen. So God is devoted to you. He's all in. He's fully committed, right? He's already made the initial down payment. And when you make a down payment for something, you don't walk away from that. 
He's going to come and receive the purchased possession, which is us to himself, right? So in Hebrews 13, 5, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So he won't, he won't leave you. So don't leave him, right? <clears throat> and then what Marilyn read earlier, I'm persuaded neither life nor, you know, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God Amen. in Christ Jesus. You see how that in Christ is like all through here? It's in Christ, in Christ, in him, in love is another one. As long as we stay in Jesus, then nothing can separate us from his love, right? <clears throat> nothing can separate us from his love. Some preachings, a little cavalier about that, I think. Um, you know, there, there's no salvation outside of Jesus Christ, and there's no good promises for somebody who walks away. So you've got to stay in the faith. You've got to stay in the faith, right? Okay. And so just taking that thought a little further, God doesn't deadbolt the lock for somebody who really wants to walk away from him. Love says, if you really don't want to be with me, then I'll let you go. So hopefully those people will come back to him. So, so, so we pray for those people. But anyway, um, okay. <clears throat> so a person might be rebelling from Jesus' commands for a time and then come back, right? We have, but we have, we have to, we have to be with the Lord. We have to finish well. So, anyway, so determine. So we're, so we should determine in our hearts to get right with God and to stay right with God, right? He'll accept any one of us right now. <clears throat> okay. Oh yeah. So God's committed to you. He's devoted to you. He's going to stay with you forever. So you're, so He's blessed you. He's chosen you. He's devoted to you. He knows the B, C, D, A, B, C, D. So then the fourth one is the A. God accepts you. So that's verses one through six, just because the way it lands in the, in the text. To the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He has made us accepted in the beloved in Christ Jesus. Some some versions have a little bit different rendering, which He has freely given us, right? But you know, either way, He's freely given us so much grace so that we could be accepted, right? so that we, we be accepted in Christ Jesus. There we have it again, right? So you're accepted in Christ Jesus, and that brings glory to God. It's a win-win situation, but it costs the life of his son. So he accepts you. And so, we, so we looked at the trees, and now back up to the forest again. So he accepts you. He blessed you. He chose you. He's devoted to you. And those are all the same things that being in love means to people. The same elements. Right? Being in an emotional environment where you're accepted, where, where you're chosen, where somebody is devoted to you and where they says they say and do loving things to you. So if you're in Christ, then you are in love. And the Holy Spirit will put that love in your heart each day. <clears throat> okay, so then I'll, I'll, I'll tell this story. I'll try not to, to read it too much. Um, there was a wealthy man who had um, a whole... You know, room full of very expensive paintings, and um, you know, by the like the classics, and he had a single son, and um, war came along. This was in England, so war came along, and the son, you know, went off to war. The dad loved the son uh, so much, and then one day he got a telegram that his son had, you know, passed away in war, and so it broke the dad's heart. <clears throat> So months later, uh, an, an unknown stranger showed up at the door and said, can I talk to you? And so the man said, okay, sure. And so it was, it was a young man and he said, you don't know me, but I know you. I was friends with your son. We built a friendship. 
And I was there when he died. It was, he, he, he died saving the lives of other people. He'd go and carry somebody back, carry somebody back, carry somebody back, and then he got hit himself, and, and he died, and I was there with him. He said, I'm, I'm not a good artist, but I drew this picture. And he gives him a little sheet of paper with a picture of his son, this, you know, that this soldier had drawn. <clears throat> and so the dad looks at it and just stares into his son's eyes in the picture. And then, you know, the young man, or the dad says, can I, can I, can, can I buy it from you? And um, the dad says that. So the young man says, no, no, absolutely not. I just wanted you to have it. And so he leaves. The dad puts it above his mantle. <clears throat> and it's his most prized um, you know, painting, a portrait. Whenever somebody comes to visit his house, the dad first shows him the picture of his son. And then they always want to see the other expensive paintings. But he always starts out by showing him that first. And then, then the man died. And so it was noise to broad that everything was going to be auctioned off because he didn't have an heir now. And so everything was just going to be auctioned. And so the day the auction shows up and our collectors show up from literally other countries, you know, in Europe, other places around the world. And so they show up and the first thing that, that the lawyer brings up for auction is the, the painting of the sun. There's a picture of the sun, the drawing of the sun. And so everybody says, let's get on with the real stuff. Why, why, are, we take, why are we wasting our time with this? Let's go down to the good stuff, right? And the lawyer says, well, this is the way the man willed it, is that this is the first thing that has to get sold. And so who will start the bidding? So the gardener was in the back of the room, and so he raised his hand and said, I'll give you 10 pounds. Not a lot. Probably about all he could afford, because the gardener knew that the father loved the son. And the gardener knew the son, too, so he loved him also. <clears throat> and so he said, okay, sold. And then the lawyer says, the auction's over, everybody can leave. And so, our, and so our, all these art collectors are saying, wait, what about the rest of the paintings? What about the rest of the paintings? And the lawyer says, he who has the son has everything. Amen. If you have the son, you have everything. You have everything you'll ever need, everything you'll ever hope for, and so much more. If you have the sun, you have it all. And if you don't know Jesus, the sun, then he might be stirring your heart. So when somebody asked, what does it take to be saved? I know I've done wrong, and I know I'm not right with God. I need to get right with God. What does it take? Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and we'll be saved. He's made it so easy. He's done all the work that's needed, except for, for your part, which is to believe, which is to take hold of him. So if you do that, Jesus will give you a new heart. He'll take you out of this world He'll change you and make you brand new, and he'll put you right back in the world to make a difference. So we're going to go ahead and pray.
Heavenly Father, um, if there's anybody that hasn't believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and been saved, then just give them that faith right now. Help them to know how good you are. Give them the faith to believe. Father, we thank you for your Son. We thank you for giving us all things in Christ Jesus. Yes. Thank you that you love us. And that because of your Son, you've blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places so that we can spiritually prosper. Help us to do that. Help us to fight with spiritual weapons. And so that we could win people to Christ Jesus. Yes. Thank you for, for doing all these things for us. And we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
for that love that you've shown upon us, Lord. Again, Lord, looking at while we were yet sinners, you chose to die for us. Lord, we want your Son. He who has the Son has everything. He who does not have the Son, even what he has will be taken away. Lord, help us to share that good news with everybody that we come in contact with, Lord, our friends, our family, people that we work with at our jobs, people that we see at the grocery store and throughout the mall and downtown, Lord, help us to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ because he who has you has everything and he who does not have you has nothing but eternity in the lake of fire. Lord, help us to see that visual urgency in our mind that people, when they die, that's the end. They have no more choice, no more options, no more time to cry out to you, Lord. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for the gift that you've given all of us here in this room. Help us to share that gift with others. Touch our hearts, Lord. Give us exactly what to say, when to say it, and how to say it, and what to do and how to do it, Lord. Lord, we want to be your tools used for your honor and glory. Thank you again. Bless everyone as we leave here today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.